Okay, so we're going to be breaking from the history series tonight um, in honor of school starting tomorrow. Rim does. <laughs> in honor of that, I was going to give a special back to school message. So we're going to learn about math, science. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Now, Colossians chapter 2, let's read it. Verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, the sister city, and for all who have seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may, be, may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head and rule of all, uh, who is the head of all rule and authority. Jesus, we ask for your spirit to be present here tonight in, in the ministry of teaching us your word and fitting our life in this passage. And God, as we're only seven days from the Harvest Crusade, I ask that you would be upon those involved with that and that you would begin to prepare hearts for the gospel that many would come to find restoration in your Son through this event. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so tonight this message is about the College of Christ. <laughs> because as we're getting ready for school, what basically we do at this time of year is whether you are seniors going into college or your high schoolers going back to another year of prison, you guys are being pitted, thrown into the treacherous jungle of feigned intellectualism. This is Satan's playground, dense with confusion and it's easy for a saint to get lost there are christian seeking predators ready to devour the uninformed there's quicksand at every step ready to suck you in this is the treacherous jungle of education and so i want before you guys brave yourselves to go into the school system or the university 
to be informed, to be ready, and to have direction and defense in the midst of this treacherous, hostile jungle. So, that's why we're looking at the College of Christ, which, essentially, the book of Colossians can be considered, um, Paul is saying, I don't want you to listen to anybody's philosophy because it's in Jesus that all wisdom exists and life makes sense through the lens of Jesus Christ. So hold fast and understand this and grasp it is what Paul would say. And and we're just going to look at one little glimpse here of Colossians. So the reason for this message is this. Without an experiential knowledge of the fullness of Jesus, the jaws of feigned intellectualism will devour you. If we go into the educational system without an experiential knowledge of the fullness of Jesus, there are false philosophies posing as very smart because of people boasting them with large degrees behind their name and they will devour you because golly they sound reasonable so our goal here is that we would become verse 10 that you will be filled with Jesus that is what the college of Christ seeks to accomplish You, 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 every Christian here right now, you are in the College of Christ. I want to remind us tonight that all of us belong to the same true, real school. We're all in Christ's College. And we might happen to, on this earth, go to RIM, be homeschooled, go to the Christian school here, go to some university. It might be Christian, it might be state-funded. But all of us who name the name of Jesus Christ are in his college, and there is a necessity that we understand who he is, the knowledge of him, and that that becomes experiential to the point that he is filling us. And filled in the ESV is maybe not the best translation. I like the New King James, the New American Standard, the New Living, that's one of yours, yay. It says you are complete in him. And that's the point here. That in Christ and as we live and are constantly students of Jesus himself, disciples if you will, that you are becoming complete, you're becoming filled. And in our history series, we've a term for that, don't we? To be complete and filled is to be restored to that state which you were created and meant to be. Now, This feeling of completion and fulfillment and restoration is what the entire world of mankind is looking for. Everybody is looking for meaning, for definition, for purpose. But why are we here? How did we get here? What's the point of all of this? And the educational system exists to teach you why you're here. And if we don't know what God says, you're going to get a whole lot of crap. Yes, I said the illegal word. Because that's what it is. (laughs) So, 
the way that you try to answer questions about life, uh, philosophers call that a worldview. A worldview is the way you feel, uh, the way you view the world. What does life mean? Why are we here? The answers to those questions is a world view. Now, a world view is a lot like a story. Okay, your world view has a beginning. It has a conflict, like all stories. There's something to overcome. And then there's some answer to that conflict. There's a resolution. Just like a story. Every world view has those elements. Okay? So, I'll go through those. The first part of a world view. The beginning. A world view asks... Where did we come from? Why are we here? Second part, conflict. What went wrong? Because things don't seem the way they're supposed to be. Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? And then the third part of a worldview is the resolution. And that says, this is how we're going to fix what went wrong. Now, um, as we unfortunately have been a church for 2,000 years, there is a lot of, not, not uh, I mean the church. <laughs> Some people are like, what? <laughs> uh, the church of Christ for 2,000 years. We have done a horrible job at answering those questions for Christians. Not all places, but for the most part, I'd say most Christians are uninformed about why you're here, what went wrong, and how does it all get fixed. You don't know your worldview. But that's been what's been so exciting about our series history, is that as we call it God's story, that's what it is. It's God's worldview. It's what the Bible says life is all about. So what have we seen in that? Well, we've seen the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We had it pictured as a king who creates a kingdom, and he gives this kingdom to his under kings to rule. Let me make that uncryptic. The king God makes a kingdom creation and gives it to his under king's man to rule. That is where we came from. That is our purpose. But something went terribly wrong. Simply put, it's called sin. But what it actually is, is that Adam defied God's kingship in his kingdom and said, I want to rule myself. Fancy word called autonomy. Self-rule. Autonomy. I want to rule myself. So... Exile happens. We were removed from what we were made to be and what life was meant to be. So, exile is our conflict. Exile due to sin and rebellion. But then the Bible, and we've been looking at this for weeks on end, the Bible gives a resolution to this conflict. Restoration through Jesus is the answer. In Jesus, we have a new creation. The cursed earth is going to be blessed like Eden all over again. Your um, emptiness will be filled and complete in Jesus. Restoration with God. Back to what the beginning was. Conflict wrecked that. Restoration in Jesus brings us back to Eden. That's why the Bible calls you a new creation and that Christ is returning to fix this creation. That is God's worldview. But, now, as we go, and, you know, some of you guys are thinking, I'm not going to college yet. You will go to college, so this is important. 
There are many other worldviews out there that answer those same three questions with completely different answers. And some of them will blow your mind. So I want to give, and there's tons of them, but I want to give you tonight three examples. Just three little samples of, of what um, is called here in verse 8. No one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Okay, I, I want to give you three samples of what that philosophy, that empty deceit, that human tradition looks like. First worldview you learn in school. Not the first of them all, but the first I'll give you. Um, actually, I think it's the first I might have learned. But anyways, Marxism. Karl Marx was the guy who started Marxism. And Marxism essentially is communism. Communism? I thought that like died with the Russian communism whole thing. No, believe it or not, the idea of communism is alive and well. And Marxism tells this story. Beginning. Where do we come from? Well, in the beginning, not God, but matter created itself into things, one of which was humanity. And as it created humanity, it created a perfectly equal system where nobody had a higher social class than the other. Everybody was equal. Um, So, essentially, their version of Eden was this. (laughs) Primitive communism. Isn't that cute little Eden? And the primitive communism had no social ranks. Everybody was completely equal. But this is what happened. Second part of the worldview. Conflict. Well, man began to amass private property. I now own stuff. You don't. So I'm better than you. And this rift in the social scale, there's now social classes. There's the elite, the uh, aristocracy, or the aristocrats, um, and then the serfs, and all this division started to happen. And that's where suffering and evil came from. The upper class preying upon the lower class. Well, how does this get fixed? They answer resolution to this conflict by simply saying, we need communism to be back. Let's get rid of private property, let the working class take swords and guns and fight against capitalism or the upper portion so that all of humanity can be economically and socially equal. And then we will literally, in Karl Marx's words, a new humanity, a new kingdom. (laughs) They're looking for what we're waiting for, but by reforming humanity to one social class. And you may hear also of neo-Marxism. That's basically new Marxism, which essentially takes the same idea but applies it to gender and sex. So there's really no difference between male and female. Just whatever. They're just happen dance coincidences. Second worldview. Individualism. The French philosopher Rousseau. It's spelled the same way Whitney spells her last name. So we can thank her grandfather or whatever. <laughs> Rousseau was a French philosopher who had these, this basic idea. Um, beginning, where did we all come from? What were we for? Well, in the beginning, no God, no creator. Um, but man was 
an unformed being without a nature. It's just, there's just man. And, and the reason he was unformed and had no nature because man was free to form himself, to define himself. Now, conflict came in when society happened. Society is basically relationships, you between all these systems and other people. And these relationships hindered man's um, self-forming of himself. Man could no longer be free to form himself as he wants. In other words, he's not his own king anymore. Because you're now bound to relationships. This is Rousseau's own words right here. He says this, Man is born free, and everywhere he is, he is in chains. What are those chains? Man was born free, but now everywhere he's in chains. What are those chains? Unwanted relationships that hinder your freedom to form yourself how you want to be. Unwanted relationships. So, what's the resolution? Rousseau said the resolution is to dissolve all relationships and rebuild new ones based upon a contract. He called it the social contract. So, you only needed to have relationships that you wanted to have. You're an individual and on your own alone self, that's who you're meant to be. And all these relationships get in the way. So rid them all. Be alone and only keep the relationships you care about. So, family, workplace, church, all of these relationships are unwanted because there are, quote, rules to them. If you're married, you can't just go play with somebody else of the opposite gender. There's rules in this relationship. You have a family, you're supposed to love each other, support each other, be with each other. A workplace, you're supposed to have some sort of authority system. Church, there is a set of um, ideals that we follow Jesus through. But these are hindering the individual. That's Rousseau's um, philosophy. And do you not see that everywhere you look in America? Every relationship we have has become choice. Kids don't want to obey their parents anymore. We don't have to. They don't even, I mean, this is like ingrained at a young age. Um, um, marriages are totally choice. Once we no longer mutually want to be in a relationship, we're free to break that contract and form new ones elsewhere. Man has become an autonomous individual. That is salvation according to individualism. And then finally, Darwinism. <laughs> Evolution. Not just biologically, which means um, species can evolve to other species, but socially. That man is, our social life is evolving better and better. Darwinism, of course, that viewpoint that there's no God and no creator, that everything's created, uh, forming itself to evolution, that affects so many areas of life. But I want to touch on the hot topic one tonight. How Darwinism affects sexuality. And this is where we get into the realm of our good old American lady who started Planned Parenthood and advanced uh, the, um, the pill, what's it called? Birth control. Margaret Sanger. She, this will blow, stink in it, make so much sense of so much that confuses us. If you get what, where she's coming from. This was her philosophy. Beginning, where did we come from? Well, first of all, evolution. Which means 
You and I are merely biological animals. And we have instincts, and those instincts must be tapped into in order for us to um, develop healthy lives. So, we became from animal to the smart human we are today because we had unrestricted, free exploration of our instincts, instincts, particularly sexuality. So, that's why we got so smart. We could freely explore that. But the conflict came in when Christianity came in. She hated Christian morals, especially because we glorified chastity. And so what happened was restricted sexual pleasure became the arch enemy of man's development. So what's the resolution? Not sexual restriction, sexual liberty. Free man to have sex whenever, with whoever, all the time, because this is actually making us smarter and freeing us. I'm not kidding. Her words, I will read to you from her book, um, um, what's it called? Um, The Pivot of Civilization. She says this, that sexual liberation is our resolution. She says, remove the constraints and prohibitions which now hinder the release of inner energies, which is the desire for sex. So you remove the prohibitions for that release of inner energies, and this is what you get. Most of the larger evils of society will perish. So, take restrictions off mankind, let them be sexually free, and most of the evils in society will perish? Like, she's talking like sex is Jesus, is what she's saying. Next quote. Through sex, mankind will attain the great spiritual illumination. And listen to how she defines this great spiritual illumination. When we get this great spiritual illumination through sex, she says, it will transform the world and light up the only path to an earthly paradise. So, we want earthly paradise, we want to return to Eden, open the path to sex, and you'll get there. That is Darwinism applied through sexuality. That is some of the stuff you will get. <laughs> you guys are getting it now. I didn't have to say we'll get. Does this answer the question for things like media, the big sex push and everything? It's because people actually believe this. They actually believe that they will be free, that humanity will improve, the world will improve through liberation. That is why you see this in Hollywood and all other sorts of media. They see themselves as missionaries to the greater humanity. They aren't restoring the nations to Jesus. They're restoring the nations to unrestricted sexuality. And what's striking is the power of their motivation because they believe something. And it makes me wonder, Christian, how many of you actually believe your worldview? And is that actually forming a culture where you go? Or are you claiming, yep, my worldview is restoration in Jesus, and then you just adopt the worldview of other philosophies and the world? There is something illogical about that. There's something that says, I know the story of God, but I don't believe it. Jesus is not my salvation. It's in these other means of the world. So there's a taste of some of the worldviews you might get.
Now you might ask yourself, so why the college of Christ? Jesus has a worldview that, in my opinion, exceeds these other worldviews and makes better sense. And I'll just, we already touched on it, but I'll make I'll condense version. We were created to rule creation with God. Sin ruined not only that role, but it ruined us. It ruined creation. And so now, through Jesus, we and creation will be restored to what we were meant to be. Ruling this earth. It's what man wants. They just answer, communism will do that. Individualism will do that. Sexuality will do that. But Jesus came and gave his life and said, I will do that. To my church who follows and waits for my return, I'm going to come and do that myself. You see, every other worldview has a fundamental problem. is that they have the conflict wrong. And they're trying to resolve the conflicts through human means. But the Bible says that the problem, the conflict, is man himself. So man can't resolve the problem. Because you are the problem. God himself has to resolve the problem that we can't fix. We started it. God will fix it. It it doesn't make sense to say you can't shoot basketball hoops. So the world will be better when you can shoot basketball hoops. That doesn't make sense. That's putting restrictions upon us. It's like C.S. Lewis said, you know, other worldviews are basically saying, okay, you need to jump that building. So fly over it. And we're going, we can't fly. We can't jump over that building. But that's where God steps in and says, but I have wings and I'll give them to you. You can now do it. That, that's the logic behind the Christian worldview where all the others fall far short. So, without this knowledge of the fulfillment, the completion, the restoration that we have in Jesus, without that knowledge, you will be devoured by these jaws of intellectualism. These feigned, actual, I can't talk, intellectualists. See, I'm not an intellectual. This fake, false, look look at verse 4. Mm, Yeah, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know what plausible means? Plausible means reasonable sounding. It could maybe happen. And you get into these big, like, doctorate professors who claim this is how the world works, you'll sit there and be mesmerized by their intellectualism, feigned, intellectual, fake intellectualism, and be like, that's a plausible argument. I'll just be careful. But what's going to happen, and what has happened to so many Christians your age and a little bit older, they get in there, they hear, oh, that's a plausible argument. But then they see this guy who's been studying for all of his life, and he has this big degree behind him, all these credentials, and then the plausible argument suddenly becomes a provable argument, or a proven argument. Because they come in uninformed. They come in not even knowing their own worldview. They come in and say, oh, that sounds wonderful. And they become pigeons. Why pigeons? Because pigeons will eat right out of your hand. 
So the professor says, believe this. And they come to him like pigeons and eat right out of his hand. (laughs) It's a lot like the Arcade Fire song. It says this. And I love it because it's totally mocking everything I'm saying right now. Uh, Mocking it on my side. (laughs) He says, let's go down and watch the modern kids. Let's go downtown and talk to the modern kids. Because they will eat right out of your hand using great big words they don't even understand. And that is so true in the college system. This, these worldviews and beliefs and philosophy being spewed out to all these modern kids who are just looking for something new to believe. Christianity's old, it's dead, it's so uh. And well, something new. And they're like, wow. And they're like all these big words. I don't even understand. What does Marxism mean? Oh, it sounds better than Christianity. And like, they talk like they will understand this stuff, like they believe it, and they don't even know what they're talking about. Don't be a pigeon. Don't mean words. See, you guys live in a generation that is dying to be modern. We just want to be cool. We want to be technologically advanced. Don't we? But here's what's so weird about that idea. Is that you go into school and you hear these new philosophies and you think Christianity is so old. And they hear this like, whoa, new, modern. I'm so cool because I hold this stuff. The modern man, the improved new person. But didn't Solomon say that there's absolutely nothing new under the sun? I mean, you go in and hear Marxism, it's just a fancy word for something that's been around forever. All these philosophies, just new words, old philosophies. There is nothing new. So. I don't want you guys to feel pressured that just because your professor has a PhD and studied whatever he studied for his whole life, that he somehow, like his perspective of life is more intellectual. Because, yeah, his, his credentials are impressive. That degree is amazing. His white beard, gray hair, and dark rimmed glasses are just, he's so smart. Like, that's a caricature, okay? I don't all look like that. But Jesus has credentials. He has a, quote, degree that far exceeds any of theirs. Think about what he did. He's the creator of the science that they study. Of the philosophy they study, of anything they're using to under, he created that. Look with me at two, verse ten. And you have been filled in Jesus, who is the head of all rule and authority. All rule and authority is coming from him himself. That's a credential. That is a degree that nobody can attain to. Further it by going to one verse fifteen. It says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn just means he's the inheritor, he's the possessor of all creation. For by Jesus, all things are created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So, 
I'm sorry, Professor, but there's things you guys don't know about yet. Invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things are created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So he's the creator. He's the sustainer of everything. And verse 18 is critical. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. I love that word. That's a big, fancy word that simply means first and above all else. Nothing surpasses Jesus. That is our professor in the College of Christ. That is a credential. That nothing has come without him or is sustained without him. That he's preeminent over all of it. So, how then do you go into school and escape the jaws of feigned intellectualism? Number one. Study in the College of Christ until you die. As Christians, you're here. You're underneath the authority of Jesus. You're in His school. And you don't just one day graduate. Like, ooh, I became a god. I can now teach my own college. You're in this for life. So to drop out is to essentially drop out of your salvation, to drop out of restoration with God. This is for life. So, study it, as verses 6 and 7 say. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk in Him. The point is, walk in the same Jesus you received, the same teaching, everything that you knew about. Don't let that change. Keep walking in that Jesus, and this is how you walk in Him. You're rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. So you're built up and you're rooted in Him, established. So let the faith continue to grow in Him. Continue to learn of Him. Continue to. I want you to consider how many hours of school you do a week, and then topple that with how many hours you do of media and blah 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 blah, like all these other things. All these things that are teaching you their worldviews, and then compare that to how many hours you're right here. Do you see the scale? <laughs> like 30 minutes to 40 minutes hearing one worldview, and then going all the rest of your week. How many hours do you do school? Like six? I don't even remember anymore. Six, and then three on the internet, five on the TV, and you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever you do. Um, and then all those hours the rest of the week. And don't just rely on me as the one digging into the riches and wealth and wisdom of Christ. This is where you need to own, like I said, experiential knowledge of the fullness of Christ that you yourself are completely fulfilled and restored in him and that's our motto here this whole verse 6 and 7 that you be rooted and built up in him 
tree of life exists to cultivate an unshakable love for Jesus that's rooted in Scripture. The world and its views are seeking to uproot you. They're seeking to tear you down. And without your roots continually going in deeper to Christ, they're going to be ripped right out. Without the continual growth, you're going to be pulled right down. And the minute you stop learning about Him, you start learning about something else. You don't ever stop learning, period. You just stop learning about a certain thing and your mind continues to learn something else. Keep your obsession of your heart with Jesus and, and, and let, um, let His fullness fill you daily on a constant basis. And do not shy away from the deeper things of your faith, okay? There's, there may not be answers for everything. There's things too wonderful for us, but there are ways to think about doubts and struggles. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because this is number two. Second way, escape the jaws of feigned intellectualism. So first, stay in the College of Christ till you graduate, which is whoop, dead. Second, fellowship to form a tapestry of protection. So, fellowship to form this tapestry, this blanket of protection. You are pictured as little threads individually. And as you come together and mingle and fellowship and share and talk, you are forming a tapestry, this blanket. And you cannot be pulled away and deceived. Like when the wool starts tugging on your strings, you can't just be pulled out of the tapestry without the entire blanket feeling the tug because you're weaved together. You've ever done that, right? You pull like a string out of a rug and you start to see the whole thing singe up right there. The whole thing feels the pull. And when we have this formed network and this fellowship with one another, you are going, we're going to feel it when you are beginning to be pulled into the jaws of feigned intellectualism. And that is what Paul says here in verse 2. He says this, I want their hearts to be encouraged, being knit together. See, your threads, you're being knit together into a blanket. Being knit together in love. Why? So that you may reach the full assurance of understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery. He wants you guys to be knit together so that together you may receive the fullness of Christ and understand it. I'm not asking you guys to do something impossible on yourself, on your own, by yourselves. Together as a community, we help each other understand how to practice our faith in this culture. And how to watch out for things that are trying to uh, jaw at us. That works, yeah. And pull our strings apart. Togetherness. And then he continues. The the reason for this as well is in verse 4. I say this. I say that your blanket needs to come together, be knit together. I say this in order that nobody may delude you with plausible arguments. The jaws of fake intellectualism can only nibble on the lone lamb. As a flock, together, we're, we're secure. As we talk to each other and keep each other accountable and, and we share our ideas and our faith and our doubts, you're forming that quilt. Wolves go after the single sheep, the loner. And, and you, you go into your school 
and you think, all right, cool. I'm all on my own. I got this. You're, you're going to be done. You need people to bounce off questions, to talk, to, to see your worldview in practice through other people. You need to see that it's real rather than just, I think it is. Um, I was just talking, was it, I think it was on Thursday, um, with somebody who called me up and a friend, and he just, he just like poured it all out at once. Because he was wrestling for months with questions and doubts about things, about his own worldview. And he's like, I, I don't know what to answer these things. I don't know what, I didn't even hear about these things before. I'm so, I feel so uninformed. And he was really wrestling with it. And it, it, it was a battle for months. And he finally decided to talk to somebody. And just by bouncing it off of me, and, and just me giving them that assurance, that hey, the fullness of Christ, and, and yes, answers too. There, there are lots of good answers for lots of questions. He, he left the conversation saying, oh my gosh, this, this helped me so much. I wish it didn't take so long to talk to somebody. Guys, if you ha- are struggling with concepts, or you have doubts about Christianity, you're not alone. And don't make yourself alone in that, because you will be snatched. You must share those. You must ask. You must seek help, because you aren't alone. This is an age of skepticism. We're taught to doubt everything. Bounce it off each other. Bounce it off this guy, JC. He knows the word. You can bounce it off of me. You know... JC and I, like, we devote most of our lives to studying what this has to say and how it works in life. And sometimes you feel like you're just doing it for yourself. Because, like, what I'm saying is we yearn for opportunities to share those studies. And, man, your eager, doubting, questioning, wondering, skeptical ear is, like, the perfect ground to, like, bloom the garden in. There's seeds and there's answers and there are, there is help. So don't be that loner, but let's become that tapestry that through our fellowship you're protected. Like he says in verse 4, I say this so that you will not be deluded by plausible arguments. Okay, I'll get off my hobby horse. So what we've seen tonight is that with an experiential knowledge of the fullness, verse 10, the completeness of Christ, without that... You will be nibbled on by the jaws of feigned intellectualism. So, stay in the College of Christ. Don't think, I know all this stuff. No, because you know cotton candy, kindergarten type of food. There's so much to keep digging in. The more JC and I say, the more we realize, oh my gosh, I know so little. Keep in the College of Christ. And then, keep with each other. And through these two... You will, it will aid your experiential knowledge of the complete fullness and restoration of Christ that we avoid the snapping jaws of fame, intellectualism in this wild jungle of a world we live in. Father, that is our desire is that you would indeed confirm and build assurance within us that our beliefs won't become just opinions or viewpoints but that the belief would take hold of our entire mind with assurance. So we ask that you would impart with extra power your promise 
You said that you give us your spirit to be our teacher in all things. So we ask as a group that you would indeed, Spirit of the living God, to fall afresh on us, fresh with assurance that you would melt us, you would mold us, our minds particularly, that you would fill us and you would use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.